Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. G'day and welcome back to the 19th Tea Podcast. It is just me, Drudes, for this episode. If you've clicked on it, you'll know that it is my review of my tour through the southwest of Western Australia. Um, I'd love you to tune in. I know that uh, some of these solo podcasts can be a little dry sometimes, but I'm really going to try and um, keep this one short and keep it upbeat. Um, and of course, all the courses that I played on the weekend uh, or the week just gone rather um, are public access. So I'd love you to be able to um, have a bit of a review, a review of them before you head over and check them out. Um, so please stick with me um, through this. I did play six courses in five days throughout the southwest of Western Australia with my good mate Buster. Um, we ran a bit of a par competition um, across the course of the week. Every par that was made, whoever scored that put $5 into the kitty and whoever scored the last part of the tournament uh, of the week rather uh, took the whole uh, cash, which was um, a bit of fun, added a bit of excitement to uh, each of our rounds. We got really lucky with the weather. Uh, there was absolutely um, no clouds around pretty much all week. I think Tuesday was the only sort of overcast day, but it was absolutely stunning. Um, there was also no one around. We didn't have to wait for anyone at all, um, all week. We had no one behind us. So it was fantastic to just be able to enjoy each of the golf courses and just really, um, you know, uh, have a good look at what each hole um, entailed, uh, get a bit of an understanding of the architecture and also just play a few shots from from each location where we could um, while also trying to keep a bit of a score as well. A quick nod to Rocky Ridge Brewery uh, in Bustleton. Those guys are doing fantastic things. We um, stopped in there for a couple of beers on uh, I think it was the Wednesday afternoon after playing in, oh, it was Thursday after playing in Bustleton um, and those guys are doing um, really, really good things. So make sure you check their tap house out um, on Marine Terrace in Bustleton there. And we also managed to have lunch at the uh, Eagle Bay Brewery, which is just hugely underrated um, in the Southwest. So definitely check those out. We were based at Peppermint Grove Beach um, at a friend's place down there, um, which provided us with a really good sort of central hub to all of the uh, courses that we played. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, really handy just being able to come back to one location every night. I'm going to have a chat about each of the courses based on playability. I came up with a few different um, categories that I was thinking of while I was playing these. So that was playability, the routing, um, the challenge for a high handicapper. So obviously someone in their 20s like myself um, and a bit of the golf architecture as well. I know what I like in a golf hole and a golf course. Um, so I kind of just ran my eyes over them as well. I'm not going to review every hole. We'll be here for hours if I did do so, um, but just a few of the key ones as well. So let's get stuck into it. The first course that we played was the cut. It is the famed golf course in Dawesville, which is just over an hour from Perth down south. It was opened in 2005, designed by James Wilshire um, from Golf by Design. And obviously the, the hardest part of this golf course um, is probably obviously the mental game in your head, uh, thinking that um, you have to stay out of certain areas, but it's really the elements. Um, the wind obviously plays a massive factor. We didn't get it on a very windy day, which I kind of would have liked to play it on a windy day just to see how hard it really is. I spoke to a few people um, 
and they say that it is um, it can be a bastard of a course when the when the wind is really rearing up. We did lose a lot of balls. That is the nature of playing the cut. Um, if you do hit it in the rough, the, those golf balls are gone. Green fee started about sixty dollars per person. Um, it's absolutely worth it. The cut is one of the best golf courses in WA. Um, it does open up with a relatively straightforward par four. It plays uphill. Uh, it kind of builds your excitement because you know what's coming up on the other side once you get onto the green. Um, I think I made par on the opening hole, uh, and then I got up to the the top of the golf course, um, which is really one of the highest points. And you look down um, along holes two uh, through to four. It was important to note that not every hole is along the coast. It is advertised as a Lynx golf course. Um, it, it's probably not a Lynx golf course in the true sense of the world, but there are a number of uh, there are a number of holes that do play along the coast and holes two to four do that hole number three was a great hole um it was probably one of my favorite on the course um it's only a 280 meter par four it isn't really drivable um simply for the fact that the green uh you can only see a little bit of it from the tee um, depending on which tee you're playing um it plays downhill between two bunkers that do uh sort of guard the front of the green we had a number of pitch shots i think from about uh, 80 meters away um we just played a number of shots trying to fly those front bunkers we had pin positions at the front uh and then just we played a few just putting the ball down and rolling it down in between the bunkers it was a lot of fun to play that um that golf hole the course then moves away from the coast and plays through a housing estate um but the wind still does play a factor um you can tell that the wind would be uh, if it was up and about it would certainly come through and play a factor i really liked hole number eight it's a great hole for strategy it's the longest par four on the course at 394 meters it dog legs a little bit to the right uh, and there's central bunkers 195 meters from the tee, um, which are a little bit uphill. Um, so you you do have to look at your course guide to know that they are there. Um, I'm pretty sure I hit the ball straight into that bunker. Um, so, but you, you know, if you do want to make par here or, or get a birdie, you do need to fly that bunker or go left and right um, of those. I I really enjoyed the way it made you think. Um, I, I don't like being able to step up on a on a tee and just take driver and, and hit a wedge in. I mean, while that's fun. Um, I like uh, having to be able to think about um, the strategy of a golf hole and hole number eight at the cut certainly did that. There is no doubt that the the best back nine, uh, sorry, the best nine is the back nine. Hole 10 is pretty standard. It's um, It plays kind of over a ridge um, and then downhill and you do get to ring the bell to let everyone know when you can hit, which was a bit of fun. Um, but then hole 12 is where things start to get seriously, seriously good. Um, it's a 367 metre par four that rolls down through the dunes. Um, the, the fairway kind of rolls up um, over dunes and, and through and is quite undulating. Um, and it's a bit of a skinny passing that you do have to get through uh, before it plays to an uphill green. Um, it was definitely one of my favourite golf holes on the tour. Um, that was backed up by hole number 15, which was great. Um, it's a long par five at 447 metres with the bunker of hell is what it's entitled on the right, about 200 meters from the tee. Um, it's about 50 meters along that bunker. Um, it's kind of cut out in a whole bunch of different shapes. I did find myself in it. Um, I managed to, to get out of there and walk away with a bogey, but um, I can see how you'd put up a big score there quite quickly. It does play dogleg right at the very end. It was a, a really fun hole to play. Um, the pin hole, uh, the pin was posi- uh, positioned at the front again. So that made it um, even a little bit more challenging. 16 was easily my favorite hole on the golf course. Um, It's the shortest hole at 114 meters. You'll notice that the par threes um, on this tour are going to be a common theme that I enjoyed those. 
Um, it's the shortest hole in the course at 114 metres, played from an elevated tee. It's kind of a bean-shaped uh, green, I suppose, which is interrupted by a dune on the right-hand side. Um, and we had a back right pin location. So it was somewhat blind. We had to hit over that um, that dune. Uh, we played about six shots or each from, from uh, each. Um, and we just enjoyed the scenery because you can see three other holes um, and the ocean from there. Uh, we were watching people play below us um, while just hitting hitting golf shots. Um, that was by by far the best hole on the golf course, in, in my humble opinion. I really did like hole number 12, but I think 16 takes the cake. 17 was a fun hole to play as well because it's kind of um, over a ridge to a downhill green. Um, not really drivable, but it is quite short. And then 18 is a great way to finish um, with the longest hole on the course as well. You have to hit. Um, towards the barber pole, uh, you can't see the green. Um, it is very up and down throughout that back nine. It is a fantastic course to play. I definitely recommend making the trip down. You can certainly do it in a day. The facilities are absolutely spectacular. Um, but as I mentioned, if I do go back and play, I really do want to play it um, when it is windy. Um, just I know I didn't play the best round um, there that, that I could have played, um, given that we had such pristine conditions. Um, but, and I know if I did go back and play it when it was windy, I'd easily, easily be cracking 110. Um, there is no doubt about that, but I'd love to just see it, um, really just, uh, at full, um, bastardness as what as how someone described it to me. The next course that we played, uh, was on Melbourne cup day at Capel golf club. Uh, we decided to tee off at 20 past seven so we could get back for the cup. Um, so we played at Capel Golf Club. I had really high expectations of this course, given it is a reciprocal of the WA Golf Club um, up in Yokine in, in Perth, which is a spectacular course in its own, own right. It's about 45 bucks around, um, and there's no doubt that this course was in sensational condition, perhaps um, even the best condition of any course that we played. The club was established in 1928. Uh, it moved in 1931 and then moved again to its current site in 1946. I am going to be a little bit hard on the Capel Golf Club because I was slightly disappointed from a golf architecture perspective. I'm a bit of a nuffy when it comes to that sort of stuff. Um, it is very flat, particularly on the back nine. There's only a couple of uphill and downhill shots. Um, and even on the front nine, it's, it is quite similar. Many of the holes are the same as you'll hear in a moment. Um, the mosquitoes were a huge problem. That's just a side note, um, a note that I had down, but, um, I really was maybe hoping for a little more out of Capel, but look, nonetheless, I'm glad we played it. We did play it inverted. We started on hole number 10. I enjoyed cause it was one of the only dog leg holes on the back nine. Uh, it swings around to the left-hand side. Hole number 11 was the longest hole on the course at 471 meters. It was a par five. There was a bunker on the left, um, about 188 metres from the tee, which just really isn't in play at all. Um, I mean, no one's really taking an iron off the tee um, for a 471 metre par five unless there is some sort of um, strategic advantage to it. So people, that's just going to get flown um, all the time. It was a bit of a theme, um, I suppose, across the, the Capel Golf Course was that um, they had seemed to just make it a little harder just by adding length. Um, and I personally don't think that length is the answer to uh, making a hard golf course. 12 was a fun little par three before holes 13, 14, 15, and 16 were all pretty much the same. Um, I turned to Buster on a number of occasions and said, like, we've just played this hole. It is exactly the same. Um, I would have 
how would I have broken that up? I would have just loved a really short par four in there, you know, 260, 270, um, make it difficult, surround, surround the green by bunkers to, to um, you know, encourage an iron shot, um, which then allows you to have a dog leg or um, load a couple of holes up with bunkers to try and make it um, a little bit more difficult and a little bit more, um, I suppose, strategic. Uh, like I said before, I don't want to be able to get up on a, a tee box and just hit driver um, upon driver upon driver. I want to be able to um, have to think at different times. And, and I know that that's probably a bit of a wanky thing to say, but um, it is um, for a 20 handicapper. But um, I do like being, um, I suppose, challenged mentally around your club selection. 17 was the signature hole on the course. It plays downhill at 148 metres. It is one of the more fun holes on the course. Um, a cool little par three. And then 18 was a really cool hole to finish. I will give credit where credit's due. It was a great hole to finish on. For us, we made the turn there. It was a 443-metre par five at dog legs round to the left. Um, and there is a bunker on the right-hand side. So you can't go long with your drive. Um, you do have to cut the corner a little bit. It was one of the only holes to really make us think off the tee. Um, so I, I enjoyed hole 18. The front nine was a little more interesting. Again, it didn't make us think overly hard hole number one begins with a downhill drive so you kind of you're always sort of playing um your first shot from an elevated tee and then you play down uh, then you play pretty flat across the rest of the course um and then between there hole number four was uh, a little interesting it was 363 meters a long par four the length obviously made it a little challenge um, but again, there wasn't any bunkers or trees or anything else that really made you think about taking a different club or playing to a certain line. Um, and hole number eight, the only note I really had around that hole was that it had a nice backdrop to play into with the trees. So overall, um, look, as I mentioned, a little disappointing from an architecture perspective and a routing perspective. They were, it was a lot of up and back, up and back. Um, I did score a 90. Um, it is one of the better scores of my career. So I was really happy with that. And it's a great test if you want to go low. If you are a low handicapper and you want to try and get a really good score, absolutely check out Cable Golf Club. It is, it is, a, it is a bit of fun to play. Um, but if you're a, a bit of a golf architecture nerd like myself um, and you, you get into um, all of that sort of stuff, it's probably not going to uh, really tickle your fancy overly uh, greatly. But look, all in all, a cool little course that I, I, I am glad that we played. The third course that we played was Dunsborough Lakes. I have played this course before. I mentioned it on one of the earlier episodes, how much of a fan I am of this course. It was formed in 1993 and then the members actually purchased the course. Uh, they began that process in 2014 and they completed it in 2016. It is in fantastic conditions. It's a brilliant challenge. I strongly recommend that you get down there over the next month or two if you can. Dunsborough is not that far away really. Um, to play to play this course it's $45 it was designed by Alan Murray who of course once uh, won the French Open and the Australian PGA so really really um, make sure that you get down and check out Dunsborough Lakes the guys at the the pro shop there are really um, they're really friendly they it's got that country vibe to it um, but it is a really nice course and I would strongly recommend getting down there and checking that one out I really loved a lot of the holes on this course so um, I'm going to try and keep this one a little shorter um, we did play it inversed. There's a great mix of long par threes and short par threes. I enjoy that. Um, I don't want to just rock up and be playing 120s for the whole, uh, for every par three or 160s or whatever it might be. The back nine, as I mentioned on the previous episode, is um, routed with three par threes, three par fours, and three par fives, which I really enjoyed as well. Um, we kick things off with hole number 11. 
It's 161 meter par three. It plays a little bit uphill. Uh, there's bunkers left and right, and it does slope uh, the green from back to front. It definitely makes you think. It requires accuracy. You, might, you almost have to take an extra club to what you think you're going to need uh, because you do kind of want to go, um, while you do want to leave your, your putt short of the hole and putt uphill, um, you need that extra club to almost get there. It then goes back uh, into back-to-back par fives, which test you. They are length-based. Um, they're not hugely challenging from having to avoid obstacles, but the length of them um, is really a challenge for most high handicappers. It does have a few twists and turns, and then almost um, it's about almost a kilometre of par fives uh, that you play back-to-back, and then you get the shortest par three on the course at 125 metres. Um, bunkers are ready to punish anything wayward. There's a big bunker front uh, front, front right, I think it is. I really enjoyed that hole. Um, it's a lot of fun to try and take one, uh, take that bunker on um, and knock one close, but your safest play is probably just to knock it to the middle of the green and, and either one putt for, for birdie or, or two putt for par. Um, I think that was the strategy that I took on that. Hole 15 was probably the greatest um, strategy hole of the tour. Um, I thought I took three irons here to get onto the green. Uh, my mate took driver iron, iron. It, what it showed was that two different strategies, um, the same result really. Uh, there is a creek about 110 meters from the green and I had two easy shots to the front of that creek. Uh, and then from there, um, I had no challenge in obviously clearing that creek and getting onto the green. My mate took driver. Um, he, he had a much less uh, second shot than, than I did. He carried uh, the, the water and then um, had a pretty easy wedge um, onto the green as well. I really enjoyed it because it was two different strategies um, and two, two similar results. But um, I think that's what makes a really good golf hole um, as well is that there's um, a few challenges, but it's also, you know, uh, a lot of strategy that can go into it. Hole 16 was a pretty cool hole. Um, I think it was probably the prettiest looking hole on the course, a big lake down the right-hand side. You do see it from Caves Road as you're driving in um, and an undulating green. It is one of my favorites on the, on the course. It has a water carry that you've got to um, hit over you uh, from your tee shots. So no duffing your tee shots, otherwise you're in the water there. Um, and then you finish with hole 18, which is the toughest hole on the course. The longest par four at 383 meters is a monster. Um, you've got a water carry on your second shot if you really want to attack. Um, if you're hitting your drive sort of 220, you've still got about 160 into the pin. Um, over water, you can't go short um, or you can lay up. Laying up, I mean, look, it's the chicken's way out, but um, you, you're probably definitely guaranteed to, to almost make par. Um, but if you can carry that water uh, and you do get over and onto the green, you've got a great chance at birdie. You swing around onto the front nine um, and there's not anything hugely spectacular about the opening couple of holes. I do like the third hole, which plays dog leg right pretty hard right over a bit of a ridge which is quite similar to hole number four as i mentioned things really pick up on the back nine uh, that's where a lot of the water comes into play the fifth is a really cool little par three uh, that demands you to go short um, or find the green if you go long you're going to be in trouble um, and if you miss left and right you're in bunkers hole six is a drivable par four at 279 meters i chickened out of having a go at this one uh, last time i did play here and um, you do have to hit over I think it's called the Sherwood Forest um, the trees. They're not hugely tall, but if you don't make the green, you're going to end up in there uh, and good luck getting out to make par. Uh, I took iron and iron uh, from there. And then the ninth hole as well, I thought was a nice finishing hole. Uh, there's a nicely strategically placed tree uh, in the fairway to the left. 
Um, and it was just a really cool way to finish the round. Um, I thought it was, uh, it was interesting playing it in first. I, I do like finishing on 18 cause it's such a great challenge on that back nine. I finished with a 97. I'm 100% going to play this course again. I loved it. I cannot recommend it enough. Go and play this course um, for, for 45 bucks. Um, it's, it is probably one of the best golfing experiences um, in that Southwest area. So definitely check out Dunsborough Lakes. On to course number four, and this was the Bustleton Golf Club. It was founded in 1907. It is one of the best country golf courses in WA. It was designed by Murray Dawson. It has 52 bunkers on the course, so it requires plenty of strategy and thinking um, across a, a number of holes. Uh, it is $50 per person to play here, so again, relatively cheap. And I think that's what I want to reiterate around all of these courses is they are public access. You can rock up, get a tee time, and they are very, very affordable. Um, I, it's, it's great to be able to stay in Perth and play, play the same courses over and over. And that was a big driving factor as to why we decided to go down and play this, uh, Southwest tour was to, to play some different courses. Uh, the magpies were out and attacked for the first time, uh, on this Southwest tour. Uh, we got attacked, I think on hole two, hole nine and, uh, uh yeah, hole two and nine, I think. And then there might've been a couple of others. Um, the setup of a lot of holes was quite similar with um, sort of your standard front front bunker, either left or the center or the right, uh, which is where those 52 come into it. The routing of the course was really nice. I really did enjoy this. It takes you away from the highway. You play uh, your first hole down the highway and then you kind of get to move away from it, which I really did like. Um, and I think that that sort of makes you forget where you are on the course. Uh, in a lot of ways, you get to play into the forest um, which was really quite cool. You get to the back of the property and it backs onto a farm. So there's lots of open spaces. My one criticism of um, Bustleton is that there wasn't a lot of variety in the distances. Um, the par threes, there's four of them, obviously, 151, 151, 133, and 130. The par fives, 467, 469, 449, and 458. So not a great variety in those. I do. I, I personally like being challenged across those par threes particularly um you know having maybe something in the 170s down to the 110s it really uh, forces you to be able to play uh multiple shots um across those par threes i did like in saying that i did like the first par three um it was the third hole um it's becoming a theme i know that um, i'm liking a lot of par threes it's the shortest hole in the course at 130 meters plenty of bunkers protect that dance floor but it was a lot of fun uh trying to fly that sort of front bunker Hole four was a nice um, looking golf hole with a, with a really cool sort of backdrop straight onto the forest, 336 meter dog leg left. Um, other than those two holes on the front nine, they were all pretty standard. Um, it does make you think, I suppose, from a strategic point of view. Um, but I mean, look, once you sort of figure one or two of the holes out, a few of them are quite similar, as I mentioned. I did like hole number, uh, or on the back nine rather, sorry, before I get to hole 11, which I did like, the back nine had a warning for tiger snakes as we stepped onto the 10th tee, which kind of made me shit myself a little bit um, considering how much ball I hit into the rough. Uh, number 10, we got to stand on the, on the top of the tee box into a huge wide fairway. Um, but there is only a couple of good lines into the pin. Uh, so that's, again, something that makes you think a little bit differently about the golf hole. It's only 331 meters. You can reach it in two, but you need to make sure that you're taking the correct line um, hole 11, as I was just touching on um, a little bit early, there was 270 meter par four. You can't drive this because it snaps around probably 90 degrees um, to the right. 
Uh, it's slightly uphill a little bit, so you definitely have to play round to that corner uh, and then you, you get your second shot in. For me, that kind of defeats the purpose of having a short par four. Um, if you've got a par four, there needs to be the option, like I said, um, about the, the hole at Dunsborough there, um, which was the sixth. Uh, is it is drivable? It encourages you to take on the drive, but it'll punish you if you miss. This didn't really encourage you to take it on at all. Um, and it was kind of just sort of had a short par four for the sake of having a short par four. The 12th hole um, was my favorite hole on the course. It was 151 meter par three. It had a really cool little tabletop green. It kind of played a bit downhill. Uh, and then it had this really funky two-level green um, to, to play on. I had a couple of putts there just enjoying um, sort of the undulating greens. And then the 18th was a really great challenging hole to finish. It's the longest par four on the course, 380 meters. There's not a lot of room for error, a little bit dog leg right. And then it really just opens up into a sloping green, very open. Um, and it's definitely one of the better holes on the course. I finished with a 97. Um, I was happy that I played Bustleton. Um, I enjoyed it. I'm not saying don't go and play Bustleton. I'm just saying that I personally would rather go and play Dunsborough again. I think there's more of a challenge. Um, but look, I'm glad that I got down to Bustleton and played it. We did. We went, We managed to go into town afterwards and just enjoy um, the sights. It was, like I said, we had beautiful weather. Um, we went and had lunch at Amelia Park, uh, Amelia Park Lodge, I think it's called. Definitely go there. I didn't mention that at the top of the show and get the steak sandwich. It is absolutely incredible. It's the best steak sandwich I've ever eaten in my life. I say that sincerely. Um, we then we had a couple of beers and then went and played um, a little uh, pitch and putt, which was literally called the par three. It's just in Bustleton there. We played uh, three ball, best ball. We hit three shots each. We did the six club challenge, uh, which was a bit of fun. Um, and I think we need a little bit more of that um, up here in Perth as well. Um, so that was a really cool way to finish that day off. Like I said, Bustleton was very enjoyable. Um, wasn't the most amazing of courses. It was in great condition. Credit to the green staff there that do um, a brilliant job. Um, I'm probably, uh, probably not going to go back and play that one anytime soon, but I'd certainly recommend going and uh, ticking it off your list. The final course that we did play together was the Bunbury golf course. Uh, it is one of the highest rated courses in Western Australia. There's um, a plethora of golf courses down that way. I think Sanctuary Cove is also down there. Um, it is one of the highest rated courses in WA. It is semi-private um, and it is certainly bloody long. Um, it was the last course we pray played together, as I mentioned. The wind was up, made that a little bit even tougher um, around the, uh, the length of it. It was first established in 1948. It has been ranked highly, uh, very, very consistently after that at one regional golf course of the year back in 2017. It's got a lot of elevation changes throughout. I love the variety of the length in holes. I was just criticizing Bustleton for that. The par fours range from 301 to 385. Par fives are from 439 to 476 and the par threes from 118 to 161. I loved the fact that there was a lot of variation in that. It is 50 bucks around. Again, um, very, very affordable for such a highly rated course. The Magpies were out attacking us once again uh, on this. The greens were, quick, were, were quite quick, actually. Uh, the pins were tucked away and there were a lot of front bunkers. So it's certainly a challenge. Um, I think the slope rating was up over 130 both nines do start with par threes and the 10th was just an incredible golf hole. I will get to that very shortly. The first is, uh, is, is a par three. It doesn't really whack you in the face. Um, it's a pretty gentle start, but then holes two through to five really do probably um, start to whack you in the face a little bit there. They have wind challenges. Um, that made the course pretty difficult for us for a high handicapper uh, like myself um, with the added length of Bunbury already. 
plus the wind challenges. Um, I really struggled through those holes. I did enjoy hole number four, which had a bunker smack bang at the front of the green. Um, it was almost like a perfect oval shape. Um, I normally like bunkers that are sort of a little bit more undulating, but this was kind of cool. Um, there is a ridge sort of halfway down the fairway, um, which you sort of don't really have. If you're a longer hitter, you'll probably drive it and have a wedge in. Um, I didn't manage to drive that. So um, we walked up to the top of the ridge to see where the green was. Um, and if you don't do that, you're not going to know that bunker's there before taking that shot. So you definitely need to do that. The seventh was one of my favorite holes. It's a downhill approach um, with an undulating green. Um, certainly an interesting approach to try and fly those bunkers um, at the front. It is quite long, 474 meters, but um, I like the fact that that required a little bit of strategy and a little bit of thinking around that one as well. And the eighth was probably the last good hole on the front nine. It was a par three. It's very wide and open on the ground, um, but then there are some overhanging trees that make it quite narrow, um, which is sort of pretty much smack bang in your hitting line, which you don't think of. Uh, when you're standing on the tee, but they absolutely are because I know and I hit them. Um, things like that make really good golf golf courses and golf holes. It's not always about bunkers and water and, and land bunkers and all that other shit. It's about having uh, using nature to its best advantage. And I think that's why um, I like the cut so much. And, and Bunbury's done a great job of that as well. The 10th hole was the best hole on the course for mine. Um, it is probably the best um hole that we played perhaps um some would say 113 meter par three about 50 to 60 meters of elevation um i took i think i took pitching wedge to to start with and overhit um and then uh, we just hit a few other balls um a gap wedge is certainly enough to make the green just toss it up and let gravity do its thing um so that was a lot of fun the magpies were out on attack on hole 11 this is my note from hole 11 they also were out on attack on hole 18. Um, so I'm glad that we don't have to deal with those little bastards anymore. Um, there's a great stretch of really good holes. Um, hole number 12 is a cleverly designed hole. A big tree fairway left forces you to go right. Um, if you don't do that, you've got no chance of getting the ball um, on the green in two shots. Uh, you've got to basically chip under and then have another approach. Hole 13's fairway um, is like a berm basically from left to right the whole way down. Um, that doesn't help a slicer like me. And then hole 14's green is uh, sloping heavily into a bunker as well. One point to note was there are a lot of little dips in the greens that kind of just run off where you don't really um, suspect them. So you do have to be accurate with your approach shot um, across Bunbury. I did enjoy hole number 17, which was a long par five. Um, I made par there for me to win the money. As I mentioned at the top, the pressure was on. I think Buster made par on eight. Uh, so I'm just kind of pipped him at the post. Um, and then 18 is a nice finishing hole as well. It's uphill par four to finish the course. Um, like I said, an enjoyable course to play. I would certainly consider playing it again. Um, it was the end of the trip. We were a little tired, but it is certainly enjoyable. It is hugely well rated. A lot of people rave about Bunbury. So I'd certainly suggest checking that one out uh, if you are down that way. The last course uh, was one that I played on my own. It is in Binning Up. I was pretty tired from a lot of golf, but I prepped myself up to play Binning Up. It is known as Lakewood Shores Golf Course. Um, it is hugely rated, uh, a little secret course. A lot of people tell me. Lucas Michelle, uh, of course, the US Mid-Am winner, uh, mentioned it on our podcast um, about a week and a bit ago. So if you want to listen to him talk about Binning Up, you can certainly flick me off and go and do that. It's 20 bucks in an honor box system. Uh, regardless of if you want to play nine or 18 holes, there isn't a lot of info about this course online, but I do believe it is maintained by one's, one greens keeper who does 
just a brilliant, brilliant job. Um, look, the course isn't in its most uh, incredible condition, but there's a lot of challenges. And for one guy, um, this the, the course is absolutely brilliant. I, I'm struggling to put this into words, how much I enjoy binning up. It is the longest course that we played. Um, the varying distances on every hole is awesome. I'm going to run through each hole of this one very quick because it is so amazing. Um, it begins with a big 490 meter par five. You've got a blind tee shot. It rolls down into the sort of the lake um, on the left. It's just sort of um, a nice gentle roll. And then you've got a pretty easy approach shot in. It's a, a relatively easy way to start the round, um, but the length is obviously prevalent from that first hole. You then go into a neat little six uh, uh, par three, 160 meters. It's the second shortest hole in the course. You walk over a little bridge to the tee box to have your shot. Um, it plays uphill. It's protected by a couple of bunkers. It's a lot of fun to try and fly that ball close. You probably need to take an extra club. It's really probably playing about 180, uh, but it was that was sort of set the tone, I think, for the rest of the course um, because, yeah, the next hole was absolutely incredible. At 520 metres, the, the par five, uh, it's long at the best of times. Uh, it's, I mean, who, who designs a 525, uh, 520 metre par five? Um, I don't know whoever designed this course, but they decided to put that there. It is a monster hole. It's a blind tee shot over a ridge, but once you do come over that, it is slightly downhill and you've got ocean views. It's a spectacular golf hole. The green is pretty flat, but what an incredible golf hole. I can't, I can't rate that highly enough. Um, you then finish there. You walk about 300 metres to the fourth tee with ocean views from the tee box. Um, the next couple of holes play a little bit links type because um, you are sort of on the ocean the wind starting to whip in for about the time I was there. You got dog leg right here, 340 meter par four, shortest par four on the course. Um, and that and hole seven were probably the two most standard holes on the whole golf course. You then get on to par uh, hole number five, which is a short par five at 415 meters, which is actually shorter than hole eight, which is a par four. Um, so go figure that one out. You can definitely cut the corner here if you're a longer hitter. Um, but beware on the other side of that is probably the biggest bunker I've ever seen in my life. It is bigger than the one at the cut um, that I found myself in. I didn't cut the corner. Uh, I just took the, the chicken's way out and went around. The green is elevated. It's got a natural backboard of the dunes, so you can bounce it off if you really want to. Um, it's also got two pins, one for the front nine and one for the back nine. A fantastic looking hole. And then you get to number six, which is the shortest uh, hole on the course at 145 metres. Um, rough to the right. If you hit your ball in there, it's absolutely gone. The green's undulating. It slopes towards a deep greenside bunker on the left. Um, and then, as I mentioned, hole number seven was pretty standard. Little dog leg right up over a slope and then into a pretty normal green. And then hole number eight, this was the probably the best golf hole that we played this whole tour. It probably knocks off the 12th at, uh, at the cut, I think. Um, it's hard to put into words how, uh, how incredible this hole is and how it's also designed. So I'm going to do my best um, to try and do this. It's 420 meters. It is very long. It plays dog leg left. Um, it's blind from the tee shot. It requires a big tee shot to be able to get to the green in two shots. There's water halfway up the fairway on the left that ends up protecting the green. So you're kind of hitting almost like onto this island green that's just connected uh, a little bit on the right-hand side. It gets very skinny on the right-hand side if you do decide to take that route. It's only about 20 metres wide, maybe, um, if you don't want to take the water on. Not knowing this, I took an iron off the tee. I wasn't hitting my driver overly well. 
meant I had to play another iron down the fairway. I ended up in that bunker um, and then I had to take an eight iron to hit over the water and I found myself on the green in three. So um, I played it okay, I suppose, in the end. Uh, but what an incredible golf hole. Um, you have to go and see that one for yourself. I loved every minute of playing uh, that golf hole. I wanted to walk back and play it again, but um, I had some people coming up behind me. And then I finished with the ninth, um, a long par three at 190 metres. Um, one of the great, great finishing uh, holes in country golf, if not in WA golf. Um, I played about 10 shots from here, just hitting the ball over the water um, to different locations, just trying to hit it out the pin, hit it short left, um, and a number of other shots. It was a lot of fun, really, to play that, play that uh, hole and finish up. It was a great way to finish the, the tour. Um, I highly, highly recommend trying to um, get down and binning up. It's only about an hour and a half from Perth. Um, it is now one of my favorite courses. I'm going to go down there and just take day trips to play. It's only 20 bucks. Do it. Go. Well, that's probably going to wrap us up. I think um, I've been going for about 40 minutes. Well done if you've sat through it and listened to me rabbit on for that long. Um, to finish, look, the courses I'm playing again, absolutely binning up first and foremost. The cut, I want to play when it's windy. I do want to get out there and just really test myself. I know I'll lose a lot of balls, but look, hey, um, I think I'd play Bunbury uh, earlier in the trip if I was going down again or just playing it on its own. Um, and then, of course, Dunsborough. Uh, I love that course down there. Um, obviously, I don't give a nod to Capel or Bustleton, but look, um, certainly, uh, if, you, if you haven't played them before, get down there and, and test them out um, and enjoy it and get around country golf. Look, I think that's the message. Um, you know, why did I decide to go down to the southwest of WA to play golf? Um, obviously, I got a week off work, which was nice, but look, this is, we have so much great golf in Australia and in WA, um, and I can't stress enough how much we need to support not only our metro golf courses, but also our regional courses as well. So get out to these courses, enjoy it. Um, if you do, make sure you tag us on Instagram and Twitter at the 19th Tea Podcast. Um, and we'd love to check out your, your picks and, and how you went from there. That's all from me, from Drudes. Um, we'll be back, um, I suppose, the two of us when we can. KM's away at the moment, enjoying a bit of golf in New Zealand and a holiday. So um, look, uh, thanks very much for tuning in really appreciate it uh, let us know if you get out to any of these courses and we'll catch you next time on the 19th tee